0: Welcome to Cooler Mania. Thank you for joining us today. We are so excited that you have joined us in this mini series of the five love languages. I am Tanya
1: and I'm Michael
0: and we have been talking about the five love languages touch words of affirmation quality time gifts acts of service in this podcast. We wanted to have a general discussion on some application principles involved with the five love languages. It's very important that we love in all these areas. We need to discover the primary love language of our loved one and put special emphasis on showing them love in this way, but not only love them in that way. We need to love them in all the love languages with added emphasis on their primary love languages. And we need to always show Christ That is the main purpose here is we want Jesus to be glorified and allowing him to show us how we can love in those love languages. So, Michael, let's jump in.
1: Yeah. And when we show love in the five love languages, we reflect God's character because his character reflects these five Mm -hmm. love languages. You know, and one strategy that I like to use is to do what the moment calls for. If the moment calls for touch, give a hug or a kiss. If the moment calls for words of affirmation, use that opportunity to give a compliment or say, I love you. If there is an opportunity to spend time with a loved one, make the most of it with undivided attention and quality conversation. If the moment calls for a gift, put some thought and effort into the gift. If there is an opportunity to serve, serve with all your heart. Don't miss those important moments in your relationship to express love in all the different ways. Hug and kiss hello and goodbye and good morning and good night and use that opportunity to say, I love you and I'm so proud of you. If a loved one asks you what you think about something, see that as an opportunity to give an appropriate compliment that is specific and also focuses on the effort they put into it. If there is an important event in one's life, be there and be totally there. Don't multitask. If there's a holiday or birthday or anniversary, put effort into a meaningful gift. If a family member needs something, perform that act of service as an act of love. We can't go wrong by covering all our bases and loving in all the five love languages. Our loved ones will notice if the moment calls for a certain act of love, and we freely give it with meaning and effort. Missed moments will be noticed too. How many times do we hear my dad never told me he loved me or was proud of me? So-and-so never hugged me or kissed me. I never got a gift or a card from this person. Expressions of love are important in a relationship.
0: So important. And they impact our lives, you know, as even as adults. So it's very important. So what if a loved one will not show you love in a way that you feel it?
1: Yes, it's important to recognize when someone is communicating love in their language, which is different from yours. See that they are communicating love to you, even if it's not doing much for you because it's just not how you feel love. There's another way to look at love languages from another perspective. We can feel unloved because our loved one never communicated love in a way that we receive. But if we recognize that they are speaking a different language, we can see he or she really does love me. They just aren't in tune to my love language, and they just don't have the ability or foresight to love in a way that I need. Maybe they just weren't brought up to show love that way, or it's just not part of their personality. Maybe I can try to have some understanding of that and see that they love me, but just don't know how to show it in a way that I can receive. To to me, that's a shame. And we can learn to love someone in a way that another can receive. But at the same time, I can't change another person. God has to change them. And they have to be open to receive God's conviction, prompting, and wisdom. But until that happens, I myself can look to have understanding of my loved one's way they show love, even if it's different than how I receive it.
0: Exactly. So how do we discover our own love language or love languages of our loved ones?
1: Well, I think we we look for evidence that we talked about. You know, some people are better than others at self-analysis, self-reflection. Those that are good at self-reflection, they can know their main love languages intuitively. If you're not good at self-reflection, think about what really makes you feel loved or how you tend to express love the most or the opposite. What hurts your feelings if you don't get enough touch, enough compliments, enough time with your loved one? Look for what you ask most from your loved one. When we are analyzing our loved one, pay attention to when our loved one keeps asking what we think about something or if we love them. Their primary love language in that case may be words of affirmation. Or they keep wanting a hug, so maybe their predominant love language may be touch. They keep wanting me to do stuff with them or talk with them. Their predominant love language might be quality time or quality conversation. They do a lot of things for people, so their predominant love language may be acts of service. They really seem to appreciate gifts or go off on a trip and your loved one asks why you didn't get them something. Then maybe their predominant love language is gifts. Your loved one's criticism about your behavior can provide the clearest clue to their primary love language, says Gary Chapman. You know, they say you don't ever buy me anything. Gifts may be their dominant love language. You don't ever hug me. Maybe their love language is touch. You don't ever say you love me. Words may be their love language. You don't ever do anything for me. Acts of service may be their love language. You don't ever spend time with me or talk to me or tell me when what you're thinking. Quality time or conversation may be their dominant love language. You know, we have a tendency when that happens to just get defensive, when somebody criticizes with us, what are you talking about? And then we start giving them all the reasons on how we do love them in that way. But that's not what they're saying. Hear their heart. You know, they're just saying, this is my primary love language and my tank is empty. Their love tank is empty. And they are asking you for help to fill it. The person they love the most. Will you answer that call?
0: Yeah, these are uh, very important questions. And so, you know, as I'm thinking through this, you are the only wife your husband has. You're the only husband your wife has. You're the only parent your child has. If you don't fill that role, there is no one else. Others can help compensate for this, but you're it. If you got married, be a spectacular spouse. If you have children, be a fantastic parent. God says in Psalm 68, 6, that he puts the solitary in families. God created us for family, the family of Christ. And this first institution he created was the nuclear family. As members of the family, there are roles and responsibilities that he expects us to fill. And we're not to be overly needy and depend on others to satisfy our needs but he did place healthy needs in us for each other, not just only a need for him, but a need for a church family and a need for a spouse and children and grandchildren. In a certain season, he calls us to be single. Whatever role he has called us to be in, we should fulfill that role with all our might. He is teaching us how to have a servant's heart, to look out for others and not just ourselves, Part of that is knowing the love languages of our loved ones and loving them in a way that they can receive. And there are other ways we can discover our love language and the love language of our loved ones. Are there other ways we can discover our love language and the love language of our loved ones?
1: You know, we can also take the love language test found on the five love languages website. It will tell you what your primary and secondary love languages are and rank them one through five. Have all your loved ones take this test. Not a bad idea. Even if you think you know your love language or your loved one's love language, you know, just to confirm.
0: This is especially true for those who are engaged or newlyweds. Don't you think?
1: (laughs) Yes. You know, if, if you are engaged or newlyweds, it may be, extremely necessary to take the test to determine one's primary or secondary language. It may be especially hard to determine dominant love languages during a highly romantic phase of the relationship during that strong in-love romantic time. Gary Chapman says... What we do for each other before marriage is no indication of what we will do after marriage. Before marriage, we are carried along by the force of the in love obsession. After marriage, we revert to being the people we were before we fell in love. You know, we have a tendency to love and feel love very strongly in all the five areas during the very high romantic phase of the early relationship. The rest of life often is put on hold because we are devoting so much time to the relationship and loving in all the five areas pretty equally. This may obscure what our dominant love language is. It may be necessary to take the test to make sure what your dominant love languages are and ask your soon-to-be spouse to take the test and talk about the results.
0: So what about the different dialects of the various love languages?
1: Yes, remember that Every love language has dialects. Your loved one is going to have a primary and probably a secondary love language. But in those primary love languages, they are going to have their own unique dialect or ways they express and receive love in that love language. Like with quality time, they may be they may really like to hike or really like to ride bikes They may or may not like to talk with meaningful conversation with gifts. They may like certain types of gifts or really like homemade gifts or really like bought gifts. They may like a certain type of touch or a type of service. You know, Gary Chapman says that the number of ways to express love within a love language is limited only by one's imagination. And people may have preferred ways to express love within a love language. And it's important for us to know that dialect as well as the primary and secondary love languages.
0: But, I mean, do love languages really change?
1: Um, Yes, according to Gary Chapman, sometimes love languages do change. During the in-love phase, it may appear that all five are equal. During times with kids in preschool age, a wife may appreciate acts of service more as she's, you know, begging for help. You know, sometimes somebody may go through a time of deep loss and need more hugs. Keep in mind that children can present a dominant love language, and that love language can seem to change as they get older. As we are discipling our children, it is very important that we train them in all the five love languages and model all these for them. So Gary Chapman says to still focus more on their dominant love language but be sure to sprinkle in a healthy dose of all five of the love languages in your training throughout childhood and the teenage years. Gary Chapman says that, Teenagers can sometimes seem to withdraw some because of whatever is going on in the awkward teen years. For example, a child with a strong touch orientation may suddenly keep saying, don't touch me as a teenager, but that might not mean their love language changed. They may actually still need touch, but feel weird at the same time with their parent kissing or hugging them, thinking that it makes them look childish to their peers. You may have to adjust how or when you hug or kiss your child. But Gary Chapman says the worst thing you can do to a teenager whose love language is physical touch is to withdraw when the teen says, don't touch me.
0: That's good information. So why don't we talk a little bit about our interaction with the five love languages?
1: Yes. You and I both have words of affirmation as a dominant love language. So we tend to be on the same page with regard to the importance of compliments and affirming words. However, we both can still probably do a better job of giving more words of affirmation and watching out for how much we criticize. Do you agree?
0: I do agree because it's so important. I mean, you know, I love it when you tell me I do a great job and it just kind of pumps me up even more and I get so excited. Or when you tell me I make an awesome meal, I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to make the next awesome meal. And I remember just giving you compliments through some difficult things that we were dealing with uh, regarding some some church things and you were just so pumped up when I gave you that affirmation of like, you did an amazing job and how you handled those situations. And I think we need to be better at doing that often.
1: Yeah. You know, and we both should probably understand more fully or keep an eye on, you know, sometimes when we're married, things like that get past us, but you know, we have both have a very strong words of affirmation, orientation and love language. And so when we compliment each other, we can really make our hearts sing, but that also means that we are more prone to be hurt by criticisms as well. So when we get those complaints and criticisms, they sting a little bit more uh, with those that have words of affirmations as a, as a love language. So we got to be looking out for criticisms too, because they, they hurt more um with that orientation. Now, we both have dominant second love languages. Mine is touch and yours is quality time, I believe. I talked about some of the issues before with quality time, you know, we have to meet each other halfway with that. I don't think I have the ability to give as much quality time as you would like. And I really need to have some time to accomplish some things and probably could never get enough time for that. You know, we need to look out for each other's need in that area and also be satisfied with less than ideal, never having enough time to accomplish things for me and never having enough quality time for you. And and I mean, truly satisfied, not just accepting that I won't get my need met in this area and just living lives of quiet desperation we don't want that you know and you know and then I have a dominant need for touch non-sexual touch oddly enough hugs and such but that is not much of a need of yours oddly enough I say oddly enough because we often think of women needing a healthy dose of physical touch and men not so much but we are opposite in this you know how do we navigate that
0: yeah this is a hard one because I never want to blame things on how I was raised, but I think, you know, not having lots of hugs and lots of kisses. I mean, in a Spanish culture, we always kiss each other on the cheek, but it's just different. You know, it's kind of like, eh, okay, you kind of do it just to do it. But I didn't have my mom to hug me and my father to hug me. So Like touch is probably a really difficult thing. It it really has to, I have to go above and beyond to do this. And it's kind of that terrible excuse of like, you've been raised this way and it's just kind of, you're set in your ways and it's kind of hard to get out of it, but it's no excuse because God calls us to do things to love one another to outdo one another by showing each other honor and love and it is it's a it's a challenge for me it's a um one that i have to constantly work at
1: but you know you bring up a good point there because you know family background can have a lot of influence in this area and i know i, I came from a family that didn't touch that was just not a love language that presented itself in my family. We still don't. And I know you've said it's like the weirdest thing. We go over to your house and nobody even acknowledges anybody's well, presence and nobody I, hugs, nobody I hugs know. goodbye or anything like that. And I've always thought it was strange too. And there was a point in time where I was like, all right, family, we have got to change this because for the sake of the grandchildren <laughs> yeah. the, the, who may have a strong hugging orientation, a touch, love language. We need to make sure that we love in all of the five love languages. And my parents and my family are really strong in gifts. They're really strong in acts of service. But saying I love you and hugging is just not one of their strengths. But there's people in the family, I'm sure, that that do have that as their primary love language. And we need to make sure that we at least try to hug and say, I love you at appropriate times to teach and model for our children and our grandchildren how to do that and not be awkward in those situations.
0: And I think that it's such a different culture, right? I was raised in Hispanic culture where we, you come into an event or a family and you hug. Like it is just done and you give each other a kiss on the cheek and you do not leave that place until you say goodbye to every single person. And us being in Spanish ministry, it's the same thing. You've noticed that like we have to say, okay, we're going to leave by six. So we need to start our rounds around 5.15 to start saying goodbye because you leave a place without giving a hug or a kiss. It is disrespectful and just shown like you don't care and you don't love uh, the people. And it's a different culture with your family where we come in and we're like, hey, we've been here for an hour. Does anybody know we're here? And, you know, it's just different. But even though I was raised that way, that is what I know. But my mom and my dad did not hug me all the time or I didn't sit on their laps. And it's just different that there's a different um, touch there, that loving touch that I did not receive. But yeah, there's definitely a difference between our families.
1: Yeah. And that's an important conversation to have that we're having right here is that there are cultural and personality influences when it comes to how We show and feel and communicate love. And that's part of the important concept of this book is it can color our worldview. This is not my personality. I see love as touch or I see love as words of affirmation, you know, or I see love as one of the other ways. God calls us to look beyond our eyes and into the world and look at others and look out for other people's interests and their needs. And when we link our lives with another individual by marrying that individual, we ha- we choose to have children then we are choosing to take on that role and to be a servant. And that means when we're serving others, we got to look out for what their love needs are and not just love them in a way that I communicate love, but love them in a way that they can receive love. So they grow up feeling loved from their father. Their spouse grows up feeling loved from their spouse. I know what I was loved because they told me in all the five love languages and they were sure to tell me, more so in the love language that I communicate in. That is so important.
0: So to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier, that Talitha had quality time as a dominant love language and maybe words of affirmation. Why did you say words of affirmation?
1: You know, it was funny (laughs) as I was living in the moment and saying good night, of course, using in the moment to hug and kiss her and say, I love you. And I'm so proud of you. You know, so I got touch words of affirmation right there, but I had been saying, I love you all the time. But this particular time out of a whim, I added, you know, and I'm so proud of you. And she asked for what? <laughs> I was so surprised for that question. <laughs> this is a little five-year-old. She was like, for what? And that gave me the opportunity to be more specific. And I told her some things I was so proud of her for, you know, for drawing fantastic pictures, reading real well, being such a kind and helpful person and a few other things, you know. And and it made me wonder if she has words of affirmation as a dominant love language because she just didn't want to know what I was proud of her for in general, but asked for specifics.
0: Yes, with young children, we should always be on the lookout for clues as to what their dominant love language may be. And I am always so proud of you because you pick up on these amazing things of the possibility of a word of affirmation. And we just need to keep our eye on that because we are raising kingdom kids, right? We want our child to know who she is in Christ and to give her that word of affirmation. And to make sure that she knows that she is a child of God and those things that she's doing is honoring the Lord as she's growing in her, in her walk with him and just affirming that all these things that God has given her are gifts.
1: Yes. And you know, love is so important to relationships and It's it defines God's character when it says God is love. It defines our character and it defines our relationship. And, you know, as we're wrapping up here, there's a few key takeaways that I want to make sure that we take away. You know, don't just love your loved one in the way that you communicate love. Love them in the way that they receive love. We need to know how our loved ones receive love and love them in that way. Love in all five of the love languages, but give an increased dose of love in that person's love language. Make sure you model all the love languages for kids so that you disciple them in all the five love languages so they are used to communicating love in all the five areas and don't feel awkward in any love area, but especially love in the other person's primary love language or languages if they have two prominent ones. Know their dominant love language, And be intentional about showing them love in these areas. Know their specific dialect in their love language. How they specifically like to express love in their love language. Keep in mind that love is an action as well as a feeling. It is a feeling that God gave us. A beautiful feeling that is a blessing and makes us feel good and draws us to Him and each other. But it is also an action. It is a choice to act in ways that make the other person feel loved. We are even called to love our enemies. To love is an action. Those we don't love is a feeling. Sometimes that person is our spouse or child at the moment, and that is a higher form of love, to love those who don't deserve it. That really reflects God's character, who while we were sinners, His enemies, He loved us enough as an action to die for us, to bring us back in full communion with Him. God loves in all the five love languages, we reflect His character when we do the same.
0: This was an awesome series to go through, and I hope that our listeners truly take it to heart. If you haven't listened to all the podcasts, please go back And it's a total of seven with this one. And we would love for you to just let it sink into your heart and allow the Lord to show you how to apply these love languages into your family, your children, your spouses, but just really learning about your heart, your relationship with the Lord and how the Lord made you in those specific love languages. So we are so grateful that you're here and uh, share this podcast with others that may want to understand about um, love languages. So we are grateful that you're here. We appreciate it. And that ends this podcast. So until next time,
1: God bless.